0: if you'd like to watch our live stream services or learn more about our congregation, I invite you to visit us at centralsynagogue.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon.
1: When does someone who has moved to New York City get to call themselves a New Yorker? Ed Koch, former mayor of New York City, once said, to be a New Yorker, you have to live here for six months, and if at the end of the six months you find you walk faster, talk faster, think faster, you're a New Yorker. (laughs) I've been here a little longer than that, around six years now, but have only recently started pondering the question. As it turns out, I'll be spending quite some time here. There was a moment a few weeks ago on the subway when I noticed the New York mindset had slowly started to seep into my way of thinking. I was sitting on the subway at 7.30 a.m. on a Saturday morning when a man turns to me and starts asking about the E-train and its route. He explains that he's from Dubai and he has seven hours in the city during a layover. He's never been here before, so he's headed to Times Square. The man turned to me and said, do you like living here? I told him my thoughts on the city, mostly positive things, and when I finished, he said in a thick accent, look around, no one is happy here. There is, there is no light in these people's eyes. They look miserable. I took a look around, seeing the tired eyes of strangers disassociating on the train while we're stopped in between stations for the foreseeable future. And this is when I knew I had begun the transition to being a New Yorker. I immediately felt defensive of my fellow commuters when hearing his subway observations, wanting to fire back a series of replies to the man. It's not even 8 a.m. on a Saturday, I thought. We're on the subway, and we're stopped. Of course everyone looks miserable. You've been here for 30 minutes, and you're already jumping to anthropological conclusions about the entire population of New York. But, but rather than saying what I was really thinking, as anyone born and raised here probably would have, I shrugged and tried to change the subject, which is how I know the Midwesterner in me is still alive and well. (laughs) But what he said about not being able to see the light in the people around us stuck with me. So why am I telling you this this week? Parshat Tetzave begins with an instruction to the Israelites that they must set up a lamp in front of the ark within the tabernacle that will be kindled from morning until evening, and they must use the clear oil of beaten olives to light the lamp. They must tend to it every day so that it burns continuously. These verses serve as the origin for the nirtamid, a light affixed above the ark in our sanctuaries, a light that never goes out. The symbolism and meaning of this everlasting light has been debated. Some rabbinic minds have thought it serves as a constant reminder of the light God gives to us. And therefore we have an obligation to give some of that light back in the form of doing mitzvot. Some say it symbolizes the light of the Torah guiding the way for us with its teachings. Others say it symbolizes the undying light of the Jewish people, even amidst darkness and hate. The Ner Tamid could also symbolize our inner light, something we need to kindle and tend to every day continuously so that it does not die out. That inner light could be our hope and optimism for what's to come. It could be our drive or energy we apply to our day-to-day lives or generally our zest and passion for life. Whatever the Ne'er Tamid might symbolize, it's clear that it takes work. A concerted effort is needed to press the olives, make the oil and keep the flame ignited each and every day. New York City or The City That Never Sleeps is known for its light perpetually being kindled from morning until evening, a never-ending cycle seldom matched by any other city. However, living here is not always all sunshine and rainbows, and Time Out magazine even determined New York as having the most stressed-out population in the U.S. Living here, it's sometimes easy to forget and take for granted the endless magic that lies around each corner, the endless possibilities. And in my eyes, it's crucial to reignite the flame we have for this city each day. We need to seek out those undeniable New York moments, scenarios that couldn't possibly happen anywhere else, the moments that are the fabric of the city. At first glance, The stranger on the subway couldn't see the magic that this place holds in the liminal place we were in underground. But what he doesn't know is another lesson that this Parsha teaches. The beauty is in the details. I think that he would be able to see the light that New York holds if only he looked a bit closer. When I had that interaction on the subway, I was actually on the way to experiencing one of those singular New York moments a New York moment that was carefully crafted to bring light to the New York Jewish community in a time of darkness. Amanda Lippitz, member of Park Avenue Synagogue, and Henry Tisch, one of Central's members, both Broadway producers, wanted to give back to the Jewish community and bring light to us as we are still reeling from the increased anti-Semitism and the war in Israel. For one morning, and one morning only, the St. James Cedar, current home of the show Spamalot, hosted Shabbat on Broadway, a coming together of New York clergy, Central's musical team, and Jewish Broadway singers to craft a Saturday morning service like no other, put together by Amanda, Henry, and our own Dave Strickland. The venue was perfectly chosen due to Spamalot's inclusion of a gigantic, glittering Star of David that descends during one of their musical numbers, which, of course, we had to utilize for our service. It truly was a New York moment, one in which you just have to exclaim, oh, I love New York. Tova Feldshu sang the Misha Berach, Shoshana Bean offered a rendition of Eitz Chaim and Ali Eli. Talia Siskauer sang the Shema and then seamlessly transitioned into the prayerful Song of Purple Summer from Spring Awakening. One thousand strong came together at the St. James to sing, pray, and experience Shabbat Shira in a way that has never been done before. Our liturgy serving as the framework for the morning, but interspersed with Broadway songs that emphasize the themes of our prayers. History, I think, was made that morning as I chanted Torah from a Broadway stage, two worlds colliding. It was a morning like no other, and for many who were there, it was an incredible source of light, and our sense of community was bolstered. While I don't know if I'm allowed to call myself a New Yorker quite yet, I wholeheartedly felt so proud to live here in that moment. We need to actively seek out ways to cultivate our inner light and the light within our congregations. We are living through a time in which the light within the Jewish community worldwide has been threatened. There are people actively trying to extinguish our Ne'er Ta'amid, our eternal light. Yet we have fought back, reigniting the flame within us for Judaism and for our community. We've seen it in our pews here at Central people coming to services unable to find seats and standing in the back because the community has shown up for each other in strength and solidarity. We've seen it when hundreds of our members bust to D.C. to share their voices and protest for peace and a better tomorrow. Our light as New Yorkers is strong. Our light as Jews is strong. And we will tend to that light every morning and night, just as the Israelites did against all odds.
0: And I'd always praise your name Thank you for listening to this edition of Central Synagogue's podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you're in the loop on future episodes. And please follow us on social media or watch our live stream at synagogue.org, our Facebook page, or on national cable at the Jewish Broadcasting Service. Thanks again for joining us.